Guys, welcome to part two of our two-part series talking about reduction tips and tips if you are on call. Last episode, we talked about upper extremity reduction tips. This one, we're talking about lower extremity reduction tips, as well as some tips for creating a Grand Rounds presentation talk. And this is, again, starring or featuring my chief resident, Dr. Donovan Johnson, who will be attending Vail for fellowship in sports. So without further ado, you all enjoy. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Chief Johnson, otherwise known as DJ, otherwise known as a man of many talents. Welcome back to the show uh, for part two of our of our talk, you know, aim to help other residents and residents programs. So, you know, glad you came on, you know, always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Welcome back. Oh, no worries. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, any opportunity to, to teach, especially those following the same path I went through, man. It's always a good day and good time to do it. So uh, let's get after it. Yeah, that's great. I know last time we, we spoke about like upper extremity and, you know, little tips and tricks. So if you're like the resident or the person on call, you know, how you can handle that. This time I wanted to go ahead and switch gears into lower extremity, you know, kind of just touch on some on some common things. And then, you know, just kind of go over just, I guess, residency as a whole, you know, kind of what you learn. You know, you're chief now, you're, you're master at your, at your top spot, sports. You know, I know you're excited, ready to go out there, man. So congrats again. Uh, yeah, and that opportunity to learn, you know how that is. And expectation is going to be high, but I'm going to be ready for it. And um, hopefully, you know, get a good job afterwards. Um, chief year is quite interesting. It, it comes with more problems than you think. Everybody thinks, you know, chief year, if you sit back and you enjoy the luxuries of almost been done and, you know, having everybody in front of you doing everything, but it's complete opposite, man. It's more troubles, more problems. You got to figure out solutions for everything and everyone else and schedules. And I mean, it's, it's busy on top of it. Still continuing to, you know, develop the craft and develop your hands, but you also got to be good leaders, the teachers, um, be the middle person between staff, be the middle person between support staff, you know, uh, with the program. So it, it's, it's been interesting, you know, I've been a chief for two weeks now and I'm about ready to be done with it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah. I know each year get a little bit more responsibility, so but I, I'm pretty sure you'll you'll be able to take care of it. I know Cody been telling me some some great things about you, and uh, even our so back to the talk. Uh, our last talk that we did on upper extremity was great. We mm-hmm. had a lot of good feedback, and so today we're just going to kick it off on lower extremity tips that can help. You know, the intern, the second year, the person on call. Um, I start with some hip fracture. No hip dislocations just because that's something that you'll see often at a level one uh, emergency department. So what, what are some of your tips on just kind of managing the, the the hip dislocations as far as reductions and maneuvers that you might use and things like that? Yeah. So lower extremity trauma itself, um, typically, uh, you know, a little bit more high energy. Those are folks involved in, you know, car accidents, bad falls, uh, fall from heights, ladders, rooftops, those things like that. So uh, they traditionally come in and they present and everybody's kind of focused on and if the hip is out, you can tell the extremity is shortened, it's rotated internally. Um, but they got usually have a lot of other stuff going on. So, you know, I tend to put a little bit more focus and emphasis of doing a very thorough, you know, 
trauma exam on these patients. Um, and usually with a hip dislocation, you know, there's multiple reasons why you can dislocate your hip. You know, rarely I see just a true hip dislocation with no fractures. It just pops out, you know. Um, it does happen, but usually it's due to, you know, other fractures like, you know, they can fracture that acetabulum, which is, you know, as you guys know, as, you know, young doctors and surgeons, you know, the hip pops out, it breaks the bone when it comes out. Uh, that's supposed to keep it there. We also can have like terminal head fractures, those things as well. Um, and so with, with, with those injuries, man, like I, I usually, um, you know, want to make sure that you, number one, have all your adequate imaging beforehand. Um, if you had a trauma center like us, you know, everybody goes through the CT scan before they, anything happens. So usually that stuff is there. Um, but, you know, when they come out of the CT scan, you still want to make sure they have appropriate imaging in terms of x-rays and plane films, you know. Um, and so you send there, this guy's hips out and say nothing else is going on. And he may have a posterior wall established fracture. He may have some head fracture. He may just be a traditional hip dislocation, you know. But depending what else is going on in terms of the injury, you know, you got to start planning ahead about um, how you're going to stabilize this. You know, if number one, would the hip stay in? And number two, if it doesn't stay in, why is that stand in? And number three is what are you going to do to kind of keep the hip in if it does pop out after you reduce it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so your relationship between your emergency department staff um, it's pretty cheap with this because they are going to ones going to be the ones to put the person to sleep for you to allow you to do those things. Um, you know, when I'm kind of trying to teach the, you know, the junior resident that's here now, it's like, you know, you need to start thinking ahead with the hip dislocation, not just going to be your traditional one. The maneuvers, we're going to go through a couple in a minute, but planning for, it, you know, if someone got a pretty large posterior wall established fracture, the hip is out. Those should be pretty easy to, to reduce. The other thing is, you know, if it does pop out again, you know, what you're going to do to set up for that patient. So for us, an eye institution, you know, someone comes in with a hip fracture or hip dislocation with a fracture, you know, and you got to start planning, like, if I need to stabilize this extremity, which is like putting in a traction pen and make sure it stays reduced, you got to start planning those things beforehand, which is, you know, making sure the patient is on a hospital bed, make sure you have all your traction stuff, your traction kit, the pen kit, the rope, the weights, you know, and, and as well, having some people there to help out because it's extremely difficult to, to release the hip by yourself, which can be done. Right. I've done it, <laughs> but you do need, you know, support staff. And this time of the year, as ample medical students, you know, visiting students that stay to help. So usually it's not a problem. Um, but once you have everything set up, you got your appropriate imaging, you got your bed, the patient's on the bed, um, all of the stuff is there just in case, you know, you reduce the hip and say if he pops out again at 30 degrees, everything is there for you to actually stabilize it until you get the, the guy up to the operator room to get a fix. Um, so reducing the hip, you know, my, my theory of, you know, the patient is ready to start reduction once um, all muscle tone is, is nearly gone and uh, the emergency room staff is almost back to back person. Um, the, the muscles around the hips are very strong, you know, and you can fight against them yeah. all you want, you know, that's just going to take, you know, longer time to get it reduced. Obviously, you know, I tell them you can you can put the guy down. It can take me less than five minutes to do it, and we can slowly push a CCE across the fall for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> you know, and we can sit here for twenty minutes while I'm looking at you. You know, if the patient is talking to you, they're not ready. Um, mm. And so, studying films, you got to know the the the, the, uh, the femoral head is posterior, the anterior is inferior. Um, you know, there's different locations you can be in. All those production techniques is different, right? Um, and as well, you know. 
that's the trauma patient, but you can have someone again to come in and go to hip and they have popped out. You know, it's the same thing, same setup, same everything. Outside the traction pin, it's kind of knowing when it hits is that and having a relationship with the ED staff so they can actually put the person down for you. Um, and so you guys want to talk about posterior anterior hips, which in terms of the dislocation? Yeah, uh, probably posterior, since that's what you, you know, yeah. see it a little bit more often. Right. And so, there. Okay. Yeah. So you guys know I'm driving down a freeway. I'm rearing someone. My knee strikes the dashboard. My hip shoots out the back. You know, uh, either, you know, it can break the acetabulum, break the femur, it can break both. And so those are the folks that come in that throw my head in the back. And so getting those reduced are a little fairly easy. Again, you know, you got to want to make sure that you have the right, you know, team members on board, the equipment. And as well, finally, you want to make sure that uh, uh, the patient going to be reduced enough. The maneuver I normally do is, you know, it's kind of, you know, as easy as I can do it by myself, but I prefer to have somebody there. And so, once, you know, once we get someone on the, the appropriate bed, you know, they're finally down and out. Um, I have a, another team member, med student, junior resident, or someone. Um, they stabilize the pelvis. You know, they put the right hand on the right side of the, the pelvis and the left hand on the left side so it doesn't move. Um, I traditionally can flex them up. Um, internally rotate the hip which um, clears the permal head posteriorly, and then usually traction. And then that traction, which is, you know, kind of you levering it up, pulling the hip back, reduce, um, uh, that usually does a reduction. And that's a couple of things, you know, some people, you know, I've seen emergency department residents do it, and you can actually hear it from standing outside the room. But if you hear a reduction, you didn't do a good job. <laughs> because um, That's not that's, a good thing, right? No, it's not. You know, that's where, you know, you think about it. I mean, if you hear something scraping, you hear a loud audible pump, you know, that thermal head, which is the cartilage on it that you're trying to preserve, it just took a, you know, unkindly path to get back to where it was. Um, you know, there's a lot of trauma when the hip pops out, so you want to preserve it. So usually, you know, if you do a really good job and reduce it um, in terms of the maneuvers, I mean, you, you shouldn't feel that, you know, slip in, but, you know, and when you bring the leg down, you can test the link to make sure it's in, then, you know, x-ray, it's usually right side of the room, and they can take pictures to see if it's in and out, um, which is the AP view of the hip, and then a lateral view, or I normally do a, do a cross table, and I flex up the contralateral hip. Um, so that maneuver, for me, kind of works every time with posterior hips, you know, but again, it's, it's finesse and it's technique more so than just brute strength. If you're sweating, grunting, lifting a patient up right. off the bed, you, you need to kind of stop reassess because you can kind of do more damage um at that point yes the goal is to get the hip in um and you will get it in because that take time you know uh, but you don't have to you know destroy more college put it in and it was going out and then once you right. get it reduced that's where you that's when you do your physical exam all right you want to make sure they stay when you want to internally rotate the, the hip at fully extended like about 30 degrees, 90 degrees. Um, I, I normally do like a little axial load on it at those degrees as well to see that it comes out. If it comes out, you know, at any point between zero to 90, with the internal external rotation, I kind of lead, lead more toward uh, putting in traction thing because it's usually because the, the, the wall on the back is broken, the hip just slipping in and out. And that traction thing kind of keeps everything out the leak and keeps the hip reduced until, you know, again, you can get out to the operating room. Uh, so, so that's the posterior hip for me. Um, so mm -hmm. key points is set up, you know, uh, making sure everything is there for you, um, planning for just in case you need to put a traction pin in or something to stabilize it or demobilize it or whatever, make sure those things are there. Uh, what you don't want to do is, you know, 
you reduce the hip and everybody high five each other. Good job, Doc, man. That was awesome. And the patient wakes <laughs> up and starts, you know, flexing his hip and then it pops right back out again <laughs> because, you know, no, you didn't range him or we didn't, you know, stabilize that injury, you know. Um, so plan ahead. Jay, Jay, that happens to you all the time, huh? You hear the clunk and stuff? Man. Um, <laughs> so do I hear? Yes. Either, yes, I usually can feel and I usually can even hear. Yeah. I, truth be told, I actually can most times. I mean, there's been a few, I, you know, I, I put them back down. I look I'm like, oh, man, they're uh, they're back. Even if you look at their ankles, you know, their their leg length is back again. I'm like, oh, I didn't even feel that most times. If I don't feel it, there's usually something there for me to know what's going on. Right. Yeah, and sometimes, again, sometimes it's unhelpable. It just happened to happen. I had some hip reductions that, you know, I felt and thought I broke something, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, the goal is to, to be as finesse as possible because you want to protect that car that was already damaged, you know. Um, if there's a fracture there, I mean, those sharp edges can just scrape off the cartilage that's on the femoral head or anywhere while you're reducing it, you know. Um, so just got to be just mindful of that. Um, Anterior hip dislocations are very rare. I don't see those as often in the trauma base, um, simply because you know we don't get those kind of mechanisms of injury. I've had had some that was like status quo, so the hips that's been out, been you know known to dislocate, presented multiple times. You know, um, usually those those are kind of centered right there in the front. So you you know think of the maneuver that you do to reduce it posteriorly. You know, uh, to reduce the anterior hip dislocation, just kind of you mimic it, but it's reversed. So usually, you know, you still can, you know, externally rotate the leg to kind of clear it a little bit. But usually I, I try to, I don't flex it up. I try to, you know, maybe, you know, hyperstand a little bit and then pull a lot of traction and kind of lever it in, um, but controlling the range of motion with the foot or, or the knee kind of, you know, if I want the, the femoral head to go internally rotated, I'll rotate the foot with the pressure external rotated. Um, so that was a little bit more. One of our staff surgeons here at one of our joint surgeons kind of showed me kind of how to, how to do that. You know, he literally sits on the end of the bed, grabs the ankle. He does a, you know, few rotations of the foot and ankle. He shakes the leg a few times and he's like, and it went in. You know, so that one is a little bit more. It's not, you know, you have to be on top of the patient flexing the hip. That one you just got to kind of pull extra load and kind of, you know, milk it to where it wants to be. Um, takes a little bit more time and patience for that, right? Um, you still, again, want the same setup in terms of anesthesia. You shouldn't usually have to put traction bands in for those. Um, and once those go in, then they should be pretty stable. But most of the hip dislocations that are going to ED is going to be those that where somebody's driving and you hit the dashboard and it went out the back. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, I haven't even gotten a anterior i don't think so i don't think i've gotten an anterior hip dislocation i'm sure it's going to come in at about two three in the morning when i'm there by myself because that's just how life works mm. <laughs> it'll be it'll be plenty of fun okay that, that was actually really good for hip re- hip reductions and pretty much the maneuver he just just described was the alice pr- maneuver which is probably the most common most common one that's used and there's also a little uh technique called the captain morgan look up but uh like i say most people usually you do the alice most times to go in if not try to count more you might have a chance um let's see so moving on down the lower extremity uh what else is something that would be good what what about media ankle fracture yeah well, oh knee okay yeah, let's, let's, knee yeah, we got a lot of time to uh, ankle fracture we're going to get into it i just want to just quickly just ran across in front of my 
my, my mind, like these locations. Those are the ones that scare me because most media locations that comes in, um, I'm not saying to come to this location, but where the, the femur and, and the tibia either subluxes completely 100% or dislocates, most of them are self-reduced before they come into the immersion department. Um, and so this is where the trauma exam is, is very important. You know, you, you can get one that's obvious that comes in. Um, you do see those. You do see the ones that pucker through the, you know, the musculature anterior and you have that little dimple sign, which means, you know, you got to go to the operating room to open it and then reduce that. But most of them that you're going to see that come through the emergency department, trauma bay, motorcycle accidents, car accidents, falls, um, bad injury, ATVs, those things, um, they're going to be pretty much um, almost reduced. You know, uh, we just had one not long ago where, you know, we didn't pick it up until we actually got into um, the operating room because this patient had other open injuries. And uh, we did, a, you know, a exam on a table that he was just moving everywhere. I mean, it wasn't stable. It was anterior posterior without was, was medial laterally. I mean, you can just take, grab the stream as tibbing and kind of do a 360 on it. He's like, this guy's yeah. dislocated his knee, is self-reduced. We just, nobody picked it up because he wasn't complaining of pain because everybody was staying at the obvious injuries. Um, right. And so when those happen, you know, we, we got, you know, uh, fluoroscopic images and we showed that we can distract it. We showed hiding gap, open, medial lateral, those things. Um, and we immediately at that time checked ABI and, um, in the, in the OR, Mr. Coley, and start prepping and draping. And we, and we got Doppler's as well to make sure that, you know, his pulse is fine. Um, luckily for this guy, um, he, you know, we put him in knee mobilizer in a bulky dressing, knee mobilizer, and he, he was pretty stable. And his it's, neurovascular uh, exam didn't change afterwards. But those are the ones that can easily be missed, you know. Um, so trusting and doing a thorough trauma exam, uh, especially on high energy people and checking the hips, checking the, the knees, the ankles, everything. Because you, you don't want to miss one of those because, you know, they can have an interval tear. They can have some delta injury that you don't pick up. And if you don't want to happen, you know, you get called in the morning, the guy's foot is cold and dusky and nobody checks yeah. it, you know. So do the exam and do the work after to make sure everything is fine. So, and now ankle. Yeah, I think that was a good. <laughs> no, yeah, I think that was good, a good, a good segue, you know. Every time I think of knee dislocations, uh, for some reason, I always think of like the football players, you know, and you see it on the on the TV and, you know, you have to handle handle that, you know, acutely on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. But I know it also trauma, you know, a lot. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so let's on a on the ankle fractures. What, cause, you know, this is very common, you know, even as a med student, you see this a lot as a resident, you're going to deal with a bunch of ankle fractures. You got any, you know, quick and dirty tips for dealing or, you know, holding reductions or, um, uh, you know, kind of seeing when we're when we're managing or being consulted on these ankle fractures. Yeah, those those things you're gonna see more ankle fractures than anything. I I was just checking my case log. Uh, I think I'm seeing almost 150, 160 ankle fractures since taking call as a junior resident that comes through, and and they're gonna get repetitive. They're gonna get old, you know, and you know, you're going to get that 2 a.m. consult where somebody's calling and say, hey, by the way, this guy coming with an ankle fracture. You're like, man, just, I hope it's not wide. I hope it's not displaced. And they send you x-ray like, man, guess I got to go up and get up and go reduce this, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was me last night. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you just want to get that last hour of sleep, but you know, you got to, you know, got to get pushed on and be reduced, you know? But ankle fractures mm-hmm. themselves, I mean, they, you know, usually, again, with the right energy, um, you know, some programs, I know they sedate people to reduce them. Some places, we, you know, for us, we do 
intraarticular and the hematomal blocks, uh, which gives us, you know, an hour or two to, to, to maneuver the ankle, you know. Um, those are, are, you know, everybody does theirs different, you know, and every program does this different. Every place is split different. Some people put them in casts initially, but, you know, the, the, the major points you can give for ankle fractures or ankle fracture dislocation is, you know, get those things reduced and get it on and the best you can as soon as possible. Um, the reason why, you know, you try to protect your soft tissues, you know, someone's ankle has been out and it's been tinting the skin for two hours and it's been malreduced and it swells before you know it, you know, that's what leads to fracture blisters, delays in treatment and those things. So as soon as you can get in and get these people taken care of and get them out, um, the better it is for them in terms of getting the injury stabilized. Um, tips. For those is um again I kind of split everything up is if you by yourself or if you got team members to help you out. Um if you by yourself and you know and you got ankle fracture that comes in, I mean those are the tougher ones. Because those are the ones that you gotta be able to reduce, hold a reduction, put the splint on, hold a reduction with the splint until the splint cures, you know, or hard enough that it's rigid. And and those are the ones are tough because I mean Say a common SCR injury, you know, you got to be able to reduce it and then hold it there and put your, you know, your mold on it to keep it um, re- reduced without extra hands. I mean, that's tough. So, corners that I used to yeah. do for those is um, I used to have the, the person either A, um, you know, lay supine, kick their leg over the side, or B, have them like sit on the side of the table after I do my block or the bed, and then I kind of hold my reduction then. Uh, or I get a nurse or some other student in the ED, um, if they land slack to kind of hold or bend the knee up while I kind of do the reduction and wrap as well. And sometimes I even ask patients, hey, you mind, you know, <laughs> taking the, your two fingers here and holding this, you know, this, <laughs> this yeah, class of uh, posterior yeah, slab while I wrap it real quick. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they they like well to take part of it, you know, usually, you know. Um, but that's those were the tougher nights for me. When you have ample amount of help then, you know, it's great, you know. Um, you know, reducing ankles is, you know, whatever the ankle wanted wants to go, you just actually you just push it the way it does it and you kind of keep it there. Um, I recommend every junior resident, especially when you start first start taking probably a call as an intern, second year, uh, sometimes third year, you know. Um if you have a mini senior medical institution, roll it in there to kind of see how some of these ankle fracture plays, how SCR looks, how pronation injury looks. And when you reduce it, what maneuvers you have to do to reduce it. And then take pictures of the AP, the mortise, and then the lateral um, just to see how everything lines up. Make sure your talus is sitting right underneath the tibia, you know, the AP lateral. Check the mortise and make sure that nothing is wide, medium or lateral. Um, and so you can kind of get a good feel of it. Because once you get more confident and you do more reductions, you know, you, you have that your hands are is pretty much have been coached and there's like muscle memories of how you reduce these injuries, you know. And I know if someone comes in with a pronation injury to it, uh, I'm not going to do the same reduction maneuver for someone with SCR, you know. Um, why? Because, I, you know, I actually used to numb people up. Again, if you use the blocks, um, you have time to kind of to do those things to see how it reduces. Don't get me wrong, I don't want you, you know, I'm not recommending sitting there you know, reduce ankle, let it fall back, reduce ankle because that, you know, destroys, uh, damage the cartilage, those things. But, you know, you want to trust your hands and see how, um, how the bones kind of behave once you, when you're reducing the, how, how to maintain that reduction and stuff, you know? Um, and there's always people, should be people around that's willing to help. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Uh, Jay, do you guys use mini seed up there in Cincinnati? No, no, we don't use a mini seed. We don't have anything like that in our uh, our ED at all. It's up at the Children's. Okay. The children's, they have the mini seed. Mm-hmm. But for adults, you know, we just kind of get it in there. <laughs> right. Get it, it in and trust it, you know. And then I'm taking splits down yeah. and have to redo stuff. And I got x-rays. I'm like, man, I can't still believe why there's music split still wide. Why is there still gap? You know, you have to take everything and yeah. and do it again, you know. But I, I noticed like I, I I did it less so that I have to repeat things less frequent when I kind of use many C that was there. And it's just a learning too. It's just, you know, how some people, you know, slap ultrasound or something and look at a fluid collection or something like that. It's just a learning too there for you to make sure that you kind of do it right. You know, uh, the one ankle fracture that was my arch nemesis was when your, your medial strut was your medial mile off and your lateral strut, your lateral mile off. And you're trying to reduce that bad boy and line it up perfect. And you, sometimes I overcorrect it, undercorrect it. It was rough, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they are tough. Was, I, I really do hate when they, there's not a, a malleola that's intact because usually, if so, you can just slam it to the the where whichever one is intact. But if they're right. both off, it's difficult. Right. So those those are the ones where your your C arm and your philosophy, your mini C, you actually help out because you can see how much are you overcorrecting and uncorrecting. So if I come out to me x-rays and they got a medium mouth, out of mouth fraction as well as posterior mouth, I don't, I don't even see the patient unless I roll in. I mean, I, I go grab my mini C and I put it outside the room. Then I go in and start the consult. You know, cause I know I, I'm going to need it because, you know, I didn't want to, you know, redo the reduction again or have to unfortunately do it again, especially with an injury like that. You know, every time you manipulate a joint that's been broken, you know, you can expect some damage to the cartilage, you know, so you want to do it as frequent as possible. Yep. And with that being said, uh, we, we've all had our share of, you know, having to go back down there and redo a splint, especially earlier on. It, and, and it could happen today, honestly. It's, it's just, right. like you say, it's, it's a little difficult sometimes. That's, that's the most uh, humbling experience when you have to go back in front of a patient. You know, they got their splint on, the crutches are in the room. You know, they walking in with the discharge paperwork. He got his pain prescription, smiling. Um, and then he's like, um, I'm sorry to tell you, but, you know, um, unfortunately I had to do it again because, you know, I mean, just be honest, you know, you know, you felt like he had a, did a good production, but, you know, got x-rays and it's still shifting. And unfortunately, I think it'd be best for us to, you know, just try this one more time, you know. And that's what I definitely recommend if you have the luxury to have a mini C or even doing an x-ray suite, do it or redo it. You know, you know, I, I know we're, we're getting almost to our limit, but we actually did have the idea to kind of add this in kind of almost like a bonus. This is something kind of different than what we're doing. We usually just kind of stick to one overall theme. But with mm-hmm. us having a, a new on here, you know, a new chief, about, you're almost done with this thing. We, we wanted to get your ideas on, you know, just preparing for ground rounds at this point, because we know you've probably done a few of them, seen plenty of them. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted some some is on that. Yeah, so I, I recommend that every junior resident at this point, even senior residents, to whatever their topic is of grand rounds, even if you're not assigned to give a talk or a presentation, it's a pre-read, prepare for grand rounds, just like it's a lecture of, you know, some famous person coming in and going to read up his research. It doesn't hurt to take 10, 15 minutes of open up ortho bullets or a textbook just to read on that topic for that night. So you, you actually... You're coming out and you're not learning the basics then. You're just learning the small things that you didn't know. 
And then those are small things that the staff teaches, or that's, those are the little key pearls of, of us. That's just why he does this that way. This is the one thing I need to look for. I look to, you know, when I see a patient with, say, they've asked me to throw a spunk or the knee, you know. Um, if you're going in there for the first time, it's your first time seeing everything, you know, you kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage because it's like, man, I'm, you know, you, you, it's, it's like med school for me is like three levels. Like I try to do everything three times before the end of the week, which is a pre-read for lectures. I went to the lecture and then I studied afterwards. And that kind of made me, made it stick a little bit more because you pick up the small things, you know. And so I just recommend that for everyone. Pre-read, do everything that you got to do before you even walk in there. Um, you know, that's kind of maximize your learning, especially when you don't call so often that it's even hard to study. You know, that, that kind of helps out. Um, so if you have to give a grand rounds talk, uh, which I think was what you're getting at, um, usually, hopefully not at this point in your, you know, in your training as an intern, as a two, sometimes at a three that you're assigned to give full out grand rounds talk in front of the whole department. Um, but if you do, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry for you, all right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I, but, but I just got to, I mean, yeah. it's perfect time. I gave Grand Rounds talk last, this past week, and um, I'm on an adult recon service, and, and a topic was patellofemoral issues and totally orthoplasty, so I kind of went through some things. Um, the first, first place I recommend to start is, you know, again, is, is you know, going to your staff or the chief of the uh, department, if it's recon, sports, or whatever, and just asking them, what do you want me to talk about for this topic? You know, I'm sure they probably gave this talk 10 times, 10 times, 20 times, maybe hundreds of times before. So they, they mean, that'd be a good resource to start in terms of these are the higher points that they want you to talk about. Um, and then once you get that, you know, I kind of do things as number one, like a lit review in terms of not literature review in that sense, but, you know, just in the basics. So I get like my, my basic textbook out, which is Weasel. I read ortho bullets and I go through those whole topics just to get a little jumped on understanding. And then I start preparing a backbone presentation based off that. Um, the second step is, is kind of, you know, what are some of the stuff or the specific things that they want to highlight? And then ask your staff again, you know, there's any articles, anything like that, that you want to talk about. And then usually they say, yeah, you know, go grab Derek's article about this or uh, Parvizi's article about this topic. And so you start filling in those, those those backbone slides with more detailed things based off what you know they want you to present. And then you know once you get that done, I mean I should hopefully have most of it done. And then that's when I do my literature review to kind of pick up what's new, what's going on with this topic. So what's something new that folks didn't know about, or the junior resident know about, or some of the senior resident know about, or even some of the staff. And so that's when I kind of highlight you know you know. I know the traditional way of treating this with this, but recently, you know, uh, this has been a, a proposed option for this, you know, pathology wow. of this disease and things like that. And that's where you put the little small stuff in at the end. And then for us, we finish everything off with, you know, prepping for the OIT, but it's, you know, for all the residents, we finish everything with questions, their OIT questions, also bullet questions to see who was listening during the talk. And then, and then traditionally we kind of present a case either at the end or throughout the presentation to kind of follow along with that. So grand round presenting and topics can be daunting at first. You know, it was like you, you're nervous, you never really got up in front of 50 people, 100 people gave talks, and you're presenting to people who are probably more qualified, high qualified than you are, or experts in the field. And so it, it's not 
for us to actually teach them things is more of the way I look at it is like, what do I want to know at this point in stage of uh, the person sitting in the front row, which is the intern, second row, second years, all the way up to the chief. And then the little small things that the staff wants you to talk about, because nine times out of 10, that's what they want to hear during grand rounds. Okay. Um, and so, so think of it as, you know, as at this point in time, it's like what I want to hear, what I want to teach, or what, what, what's important for this, because this is what's important, because this is what they're going to ask us on the test every November, or when you take your boards at the end of training. Okay. Um, and so it's not as easy as you think. I mean, you got to get after two, three of them, it's like, okay, I got another grand round talk to give tomorrow uh, or, or next week or in two weeks, you know prep for them you know it's something that you shouldn't throw together the night before obviously it's something that you want to put time and effort into it um just make it concise don't put too many words on the on the, on the slides all right i love x-rays i love imaging so i like to see those things in little bullet points but then you can talk about the bullet points is even better mm-hmm. one thing that i recommend is don't put everything that you want to talk about on the slides where it's like paragraphs and you sit there and you read the paragraphs because you're so afraid of losing out the details Write down some notes for you know that's what I do. Like slide one, I put bullet points on a sheet of paper and I make sure that I check those off when I'm presenting it. Uh, presenting that slide, you know, and I just put small little bullet points on the screen with pictures. I don't put all those details on there. All right. Right. Um, that's the, the quickest way to lose people's attention is to go up there and read all forty slides. So, but with all that being said and done, may I wish everybody the best of luck. Be confident. It's going to be fine. You're going to get through it. Um, don't pass out. Don't do anything like that. You're going to be all right. Just, <laughs> just take it slow. Don't talk too fast and rush everything. You know, one minute per slide. That's kind of traditional. That's kind of what you want, you know, in terms of how you want to plan it. Don't make it too wordy. Put a lot of x-rays up there because orthopedists love looking at x-rays. You can talk all you yeah. want, but they, they hear what you stand through the x-rays. Okay. And then yeah. run it by your staff. Please, please don't plan a grand round without talking to anyone. That's 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 how you set yourself up. And um and also prepare slides and kind of I don't want to make it seem like you're a gunner or nothing, but if you prepare your slides, um, knowing that particular questions are going to be asked just to show that you know it, then that makes you look better as well. You know, if you put you know this classification system, somebody asks you, so what is that classification system? Who wrote it? Whatever it is. Like, thanks for asking that. And then you kind of go through it with them, you know. But do it as like your teachers, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? But yeah, residency is fun. It, it is a venture of both learning and teaching. You know, um, uh, Cody and Jay, I'm telling you guys right now, you're second years, but look, you got people behind you now. You know, you got people yeah. up on here that's following you around, and you, you are teaching them orthopedics, which is what you have been taught by the people ahead of you. So, um, you know, don't, don't take that with a grain of salt. You know, your, your, your experience right now and how you teach someone is molding somebody's career as well. Equally so, you know, you still kind of kind of shape what type of physician that you want to be. You know, um, these five years are fun. They, they're hard sometimes. They're daunting. But, you know, you're going to get through them. You're going to graduate. You're going to be a phenomenal skilled surgeon. You're going to know how to take care of patients. You're going to know how to take care of most of the stuff that comes through your clinic or through the ED. Don't, don't worry about that. You know, the only thing you got to worry about now is like, what can I do to make myself better? What can I do to make Cody better? What can I make Jay better? Am I reading enough? And equally, you know, so it's like, I enjoy doing this because I enjoy the outcomes, which is making people better. All right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and yeah, I think that was a great, um, a great summary. Kind of like what to do regarding these ground, like preparing for these ground rounds talks. I think you, I think you touched on a good amount of points there. Definitely going through with your staff, you know, not having a lot of words on the slides, and you know, putting up putting up the X rays, kind of doing um doing a background lit search, coming up with an outline. I think those are all great tools and great tips. You know, I think those are the a great talk. I think it was really informative. You know, I think anybody listening to this, as soon as the next hip reduction, a hip dislocation comes in, I feel like they'll feel a little bit more comfortable in knowing what to do. You know, I feel like even if you're asked to uh, do a ground rounds topic, because I know some of our second years did mm-hmm. you know, ground rounds topic last year. So, um, you know, even or even if Jay over there, he gets finally, you know, thrown thrown in the thrown in the uh, fire, man. And, 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 you know, time to step up, man, you know, put on the big boy britches. You know, I, I know. Cody, have you presented that. a case yet? Uh, yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, I've I, I, I presented a couple cases. There we go. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I've presented a couple cases. And what about you, Jay? Uh, present a case. What does that, what, what you mean? Like, uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know what y'all talking about. What y'all, y'all get if you guys got to ask, man, you're all, you haven't done it. Oh, man. Present a case. Yeah. It don't sound like you had to do nothing. What you just said, what happened? Went through the uh oh, well, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So for us, it's like, you know, grand rounds is every service has to present a case presentation, which is like that most interesting case for the week. More so like learning points and teaching points. You know, it can be something that went well, something that went bad, but something that's kind of unique. You know, you don't want to pull up a guy had a tibia fracture. No, this, but this guy had a bicolor, a tibial pike toe fracture, a mesh activity, and a few on distally. And, you know, had a vascular injury. You're like, you know, what you did in terms of how did it come in, what you do to, to stabilize it, who always consulted, how do you time everything, how do you fix everything. Uh, so case presentation for us is, is, is on that topic of like every service, sports, recon, hand, joints, you know, foot and ankle, trauma. You know, they present their cases at the end of the weekend. The resident who presented, you know, they're presenting that like this is my case, this is what we did, this is how we planned for it. This went into the preoperative planning. Here's all the images, the post-op pre-op. Here's where some of the new literature stuff for these cases or these images, how they were treated. And then you got to be able to, to take and handle any question that's asked from the staff or any resident, you know. Uh, so it can be intimidating in terms of, like, you know, I'm a second-year resident presenting, you know, a AP3C pelvis fracture or vertical shear pelvis fracture. Cody, what was your first console as a second-year? Yeah, that was my first console. It was an open vertical shear pelvic fracture. Guy had a bladder rupture, femur fracture on on one of the sides. Yeah, he was he got, he got messed up. You know, so, so so no one knows this, but he was he was texting me the whole time for a play by play on what to do. What happened. I, I pretty much had to walk him through the country. I was like, man, do you just want me to drive? You want me to drive me myself? Oh, I don't believe that, man. That would, that would have freaked me out too. Shoot, I walked in and some guys, him and Dan was unstable. You take an X ray and it's one side of his pelvis is where it should be, the other one was, you know kissing the kidney you know that, that that's scary you know yeah, it is tough that, that that one was that's a pretty good case just to start second year anytime i, I would get a, a pelvis that's you know wide open apc uh mm-hmm. three or something like that and they're they're unstable that's when i'm like oh man now i gotta like really get some stuff done here but you know luckily i've had one and 
I had I had it happen when um you know I was at, I was by my first at I was by myself at first, but there was people there who could tell me what I did right and what I did wrong. So you know after you do it you do it once. After that you you're okay from there. You can yeah. get it together out there. Oh okay. What, what you, you put the uh, you you put the you put the pelvic binder over the over the over the knee or <laughs> <laughs> no really 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 one one side once this guy was huge he's like a he might not have been five hundred pounds but he's ever been a four fifty he was on some kind of what a, a trike is I don't know some kind of motorcycle thing and uh, was in a head on accident so he came in with this wide open pelvis APC three like one of the worst ones my some of my uh, attendants have seen and I think on one side, I was a little bit lower. I wasn't on the, on the trope, oh, and man. so it didn't sh- it didn't close down the way I wanted it to. And honestly, I had never put on a, a binder at the time, so mm-hmm. that was a whole thing in itself. When you got a five hundred pound man trying to put a binder on him, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to close it down. So I mean, it was it was an experience. But now you know, you come in at three at three in the morning. I'm by myself. I know how to get it done. So there it is. There you go. You know, once you see it, you should know how to treat it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys going to do great, man. I'm proud of y'all. You know, just keep it up. Keep working. You know, keep learning. Ask questions. You know, there's always going to be people in front of you and behind you who's been there before. So never be afraid to ask questions. I'm confident that everybody can do things and take care of themselves. But, you know, be unsure, you know, just raise a hand, uh, place a phone call, whatever. So. Absolutely. Well, here we go this was part two of Dr. Johnson. First, he gave us upper extremity tips, and now we got some lower extremity tips with a little bonus with this grand round talk. Hey, I want to say thank you for making the time, not once, but twice to come out with us and, uh, you know, uh, help us out with the show and give our listeners some good tips. Uh, we really appreciate it. We wish you nothing but the best, Dr. Johnson. So appreciate yes, it. Yes, please. Y'all, y'all always feel free to reach out to me. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of the Nail It Ortho podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with uh, with my chief, Dr. Johnson, otherwise known as DJ. Um, again, this was a talk mainly just kind of to, to be more conversational and guide you all just through some tips and tricks while you're dealing with certain situations, certain um, lower extremity traumas, certain grand round tips and just overall tips. And uh, I think he did a great job. Um, for any show notes, please go to nailedortho.com. You can look up this episode. You can also follow us on Instagram and email us at nailedortho. So it'll be nailedortho at gmail.com and Instagram will be nailedortho. And please, if you haven't, go and hit the subscribe button. Okay. And leave a review. We love reviews. All right. And we want, this is a way for us to connect with you guys. Until next episode. <laughs>